Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, everybody in the TCK world? It's your favorite degenerate number cruncher dweez nuts hitting you here with a stat rat episode for week eight this is the candlestick kids episode 286 tck pod episode 286 y'all 286 yeah let's go let's go uh jump in the conversation find us over at twitter at tck pod or tck sorry underscore pod find us at instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod. Have a conversation. Five days a week, new episodes of this podcast are dropping. New hosts each week as Sky brings together the best of the best at their respective things to give you what you need in order to win. TCKpod.com if you want to find more information about that. You can find me at Dweeznuts, all Z's, no S's. I'm on Twitter if you want to talk to me, and believe me, I want to talk to you. I just finished, just finished my COVID-19 quarantine. My family and I have been stuck in this house together for the past two weeks. I've got two small boys, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, 24 hours a day is a lot. Okay, let's jump in to the Stat Rat episode for this week, we're diving in, we're going deep, we're trying to figure out what's really going on with these players beyond the 10,000 foot view of where they ranked at the end of week eight or by, you know, halfway through the NFL season, two thirds of the way through your fantasy season. We want to know what's really going on with these guys so we can take advantage of the deep statistics that other people in your league aren't focusing on. Let's start with a guy that seemed to break out this week. If you look just at the running back rankings for week eight, if you could if you could see what the blind bid report looks like for this guy before tonight when it rolls through in your league, if your league is anything like all of mine, um, you'd be amazed. Zach Moss seems like a fucking stud, two touchdowns. This week for crying out loud. But I'm here to tell you that he is not actually taking over for Devin Singletary. If you look from the large long view, it looks like Zach Moss is now the guy and Devin Singletary is taking a back seat. But I'm here to tell you that if you really dig into these numbers and you really dig into what's actually going on, play over play, drive over drive in these games, that's not the case. Now, I'm also not going to tell you that Devin Singletary is the man, 
that Devin Singletary is going to be a 70% touch guy. All I want to say is that Moss is not a 70% guy either. He's not going to be a 70% guy either. He's not taking over for Devin Singletary. In fact, what we saw in this game, what we've seen so far this year is exactly what the coaching staff had in mind when they drafted Zach Moss. What we saw in week eight is exactly what you can expect to see moving forward, maybe minus the two touchdowns a game thing. But if we're talking about splits, if we're talking about share, This is what you can expect because this is what they said to us with their draft choice of Zach Moss to begin with. I'm not super concerned as a Devin Singletary owner because I knew what I had going into the year. And I'm not super excited to go out and spend all my fab on Zach Moss. I will say I'm a little concerned about Singletary because we're seeing that touchdown thing continue. Last year, only three touchdowns for this guy. Otherwise, he was fantastic. I I, I guess I need to remind the world and I guess I need to remind the coaching staff in Buffalo, that in college, Devin Singletary is one of the all-time great touchdown scorers at the position. He scored 32 touchdowns in 2017. That is the third most of all time behind only Monty Ball in 2011 scored 33. And Barry fucking Sanders with his 37 touchdown season. This motherfucker knows how to score They're just not letting him do it in the NFL two years in a row now, and it's starting to get a little frustrating. But hey, we knew when they drafted a big guy like Zach Moss out of Utah that this was going to happen. I want to say that, look, Zach Moss did outgain, or rather Devin Singletary did outgain Zach Moss on the same amount of carries this week, but we can go further than that. Let's look really deep into the statistics to to, to see why I don't believe Zach Moss is taking over. These guys have now played four full games together. Okay, four full games. Zach Moss was injured for a while. So they played together in week one and two. They played together in week seven and eight. I'm scrapping week six because it was Moss It was Moss on a snap count. Okay, so we're looking at one, two, and seven and eight. And I want to see if there's a difference because if he's really taken over, then seven and eight should look different than one and two. Uh, so let's start with snap share. In weeks one and two, Singletary averaged a 57.5% snap share to Moss's 455 In week seven and eight, that was 52 to 50. Not much difference. A little bit, sure. But not much difference. It's not like Moss has taken over the snap share. If you look at touch count, in weeks one and two, it was a 26 to 20 in Singletary's favor. In week seven and eight, it's 25 to 24 in Singletary's favor. Okay, let's look at red zone touches. In weeks one and two, Singletary lost out to Moss. 10 to 5, 10 red zone touches for Moss to Singletary's 5. Well, in 7 and 8, it was only 6 to 4. Yes, Moss was still in favor, but Singletary's getting his opportunities. Some of the big change here is yards per touch. Beginning of the season, Singletary was going 5 yards per touch to Moss's 3.2. That's in weeks 1 and 2. Here in the last two weeks, now admittedly much easier um, opponents and, uh, and a different game plan altogether as Josh Allen just kind of took the whole team on his shoulders in week one and two. But in week seven and eight, Singletary's at four yards per touch, so it's pretty comparable to that five. But Moss went from 3.2 to six yards per touch, which is part of the reason he's all, all of a sudden gaining yards and part of the reason th- people think, hey, this guy must be it. The, the concerning thing, I mentioned it before, touchdowns. In weeks one and two, Zach Moss was on a 5% touchdown rate, scored on every 5% of his touches. Singletary's zero because he didn't have any. Well, here in week seven and eight, Moss is at an 8% touchdown rate, 
Singletary is still a zero. So there's not a lot of change here. Yes, Moss is better with the ball. Of course he's better with the ball. He's now been in the league for a while. Even if he hasn't played, he's practiced plenty. He's more comfortable with this offense. But the split shares aren't that different, guys. The snap share, touch share, share, red zone shares, they're not different. This was the game plan to begin the season. It's the game plan now. It's going to continue to be the game plan. I'm not saying Devin Singletary is going to be a stud and you should be jacked to own him even as an RB2 every week. But I am saying don't go spend 95 of your $100 on Zach Moss because he scored two touchdowns this week. He'd be a fine ad for 15 bucks, 18 bucks, but he's going to cost more than that. So probably I'd say avoid him moving forward and expect this kind of split. So if you were banking on Singletary, you know, you're going to wait for a big week from him and trade him if you can. All right, next thing I want to talk about here, let's dive a little deep. Let's go to another team. Let's go to another sort of positional battle. Let's look at the Tennessee Titans receiving core, okay? I want to look specifically at A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Now, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis have now played, um, they've played in just three games together all year, okay? Each of them missed two games. Those two game injury splits did not overlap, so they've only played in three games together on the year. Now, if we just look at just those three games where they were both on the field and healthy, um, that's going to give us the best idea of how this team is using these two guys. So let's do that. In those three games, and by the way, that was week one, week seven, and week eight. Um, in those three games, Corey Davis leads in targets over A.J. Brown, 28 to 23. In fact, A.J. Brown has now out-targeted Corey Davis in zero of those three games. Davis always has at least as many, if not more, targets. Ten in each of the last two. Corey Davis leads in catches 21 to 15. He leads in receiving yards 264 to 216, and they both have two touchdowns. Corey Davis is being used more than A.J. Brown. Now, we know A.J. Brown was never going to be a volume guy if we look what happened last season, but we didn't really expect Corey Davis to be a volume guy either, did we? Guys, Corey Davis leads the team in targets, catches, receiving yards, and 100-yard receiving games, but more to the point, he's in the top 20 for all receivers in the league, in yards per game, catches per game, passer rating when targeted, and touchdowns per game. Corey Davis is good? Gosh, that's weird to say. Corey Davis might be the guy to own over A.J. Brown. Now, A.J. Brown's always going to be the big play guy. He's always going to be that. I can go off and go nuts on a couple of plays and do just fine. He, uh, last week, I want to say he had, uh, you know, no catches in the first half, and then a few catches ends up with 125 and a couple of touchdowns, right? So he can do that. But Corey Davis, man, Corey Davis might be the guy to own. And here's the fucked up part. If you're just looking in Yahoo, which I believe is still the most popular platform for all fantasy football, A.J. Brown was started in 94% of Yahoo leagues last week, and Corey Davis is only owned in 48%. That means he's available in 52% of Yahoo leagues, even though he's outproducing A.J. Brown when they're both on the field consistently, regularly. Something to look at. Don't spend your money on Zach Moss. Go spend your money on Corey Davis. He'll likely also be picked up this week. Another decent, nice little game from him. But bro, get your bid right and get a guy like Corey Davis over a guy like Zach Moss, because I think you're going to be more happy with the consistency of his production, his floor, his usage on the field, than a guy like Zach Moss. Okay, those are a couple of players, uh, a deep dives on them. Now we're going to finish up our 
Strength of schedule series we've been doing over the last few weeks. I've hit you with quarterbacks, hit you with running backs, hit you with wide receivers, told you who to target, who to avoid based on rest of season strength of schedule. Now let's go tight ends because we have to. Because everybody still plays tight ends. Not everybody plays kicker. Not everybody plays defense. But as far as I know, damn near every league still uses the tight end, which can be frustrating. I'll say before we start, we were jazzed about the fucking uh, tight end field this season coming in. We thought, hey, this is going to be a different kind of year. We're going to have 10, 12, 15 guys that are startable every week. As it turns out, we have four and the rest of them are streamers. Now George Kittle broke his foot, so maybe three. A little frustrating, but we maybe we just should stop thinking that they're going to be something. Maybe we get rid of the tight end spot and add another flex spot. Leave a tight end premium, but don't make anybody play a fucking tight end, people. Just a thought for your league. All right, let's take a look at this strength of schedule. Let's start with the easiest schedules moving forward. A countdown from 10 to 1. 10th best schedule moving forward, that's the Denver Broncos. Okay, you know, Noah Fant, we saw him early in the year look really good with Locke. He still looks pretty good with Locke, but is Albert O owned in your league? I know he only had one catch this last week, but he scored. Seven targets last week. Look, Albert O is Drew Locke's boy from back in his Mizzou days. If you think he's going away, forget about that, man. This is the guy that should be owned. Go take a look. I'm talking dynasty, obviously, people. Number nine easiest schedule going forward, that's the Dallas Cowboys. But fuck's sake, if they can't get their line and quarterback situation worked out, I'm not sure I give a fuck. I own Dalton Schultz in a lot of places, and I'd love to be able to play him. If the Nooch was going to be the quarterback for the next few weeks, I'd consider it because he either looked at Gallup or Schultz, and that's it all game. But I think the Red Rifle's coming back. New Orleans has the eighth easiest schedule. Jared Cook is never going to be a target volume guy, unfortunately, especially when this whole receiving core comes back. But he's always a threat to score. San Francisco's looking at number seven easiest schedule moving forward, but Kittle's fractured foot mentioned it a bit ago. He's going to miss some significant time. If you get him back before your fantasy playoffs, you're probably lucky, so maybe look elsewhere despite the easy schedule. It's Nick Mullins starting from here on. I know know Sky likes that. Sky's a big Nick Mullins fan now. But uh, Nick Mullins and no Kittle, I I don't think Dwelly's the guy. Chicago's got the six easiest schedule here going forward. Don't buy into the Cole Komet stuff. Cole Komet's no good. Almost lost in the fucking game on that fumble at the end of the year. I don't like me some Bears, to be honest with you. I'm a huge Bears fan, but Bears in fantasy, no thank you. Jimmy Graham has as many targets as George Kittle on the year so far. Did you know that? Still not interested. Seattle Seahawks at number five. No target consistency between the guys on this team. Disley is getting a little bit. Greg Olson getting a little bit, but no consistency. Too many other weapons. DK Metcalf is bigger than any tight end in the league anyway. New York Giants, number fourth easiest schedule. Ingram is the seventh most targeted per game tight end in the league. They are trying to get it to him. But much like the Dallas situation, until they can really figure this offense out, get that offensive line thing figured it out, I don't know. Might be a guy you consider trading for down the stretch as a potentially week-in and week-out starter. We know the Giants' schedule gets a lot easier across the board moving forward. Daniel Jones has an easier time, so maybe thinking about it. New England Patriots, number three. There's no tight end on this team at more than 10 catches. It's not Ryan Izzo. Don't do it. Don't do it. Nobody here worth owning. 
Very few Patriots worth owning, period. Cleveland Browns sitting at number two easiest schedule, but again, forget about it. Harrison Bryant, David Njoku, Austin Hooper's going to be back week 10. Who the fuck are you going to play every week? Unless two of them get hurt, fuck it. No thank you. Number one easiest schedule moving forward for tight ends, Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Eric Ebron has been very hit or miss and mostly miss for fantasy this year, but he's been consistently targeted only less than five targets one time since week two, okay? Maybe as the competition gets easier, uh, he starts to get more involved, make some bigger plays because he's getting targeted. He's even got a fair amount of catches. It's just the big plays and the touchdowns that he had in Indianapolis that he's not had so far in Pittsburgh. If you own him, hold him. If he's sitting out there, go ahead and pick him up. Bench him. See if it comes to fruition. Let's look at toughest schedules and see if that makes a difference with who you're rostering, who you're starting each week. Again, I'm going to count down here. 24th easiest schedule. So that's the ninth toughest for tight ends moving forward is Detroit. Now, this one's disappointing because TJ Hawkinson's tied for second in targets for tight ends over the last three weeks. One less than Travis Kelsey. They're using him. And now Kenny Galladay's injured. You might roll Hawk out here anyway. But he's not been outrageously productive with his targets either. His his yards per catch is significantly lower than some of these other big play guys. Might score for you. Ball's going his way. Maybe keep him in, in, in there anyway, but pay attention to the week in and week out schedule here and see if somebody streamable um, is, is available in those really tough matchups. 25th easiest schedule. Carolina Panthers. Doesn't matter. Uh, Ian, whatever the fuck his name is, is is not the guy. Baltimore Ravens come in next. Now, I think Mark Andrews is tight end matchup proof. He's tight end matchup proof. I don't think he's quarterback matchup proof anymore. If Lamar Jackson has a decent matchup and he can throw the ball, it doesn't matter who's trying to cover Mark Andrews. When Lamar Jackson wants Andrews to score, he's going to score, so don't worry about that. Cincinnati Bengals comes in here next. Doesn't matter. The New York Jets doesn't matter. Unicorn or no unicorn, Chris Herndon is a trash tight end. Ryan Griffin's not it either. Arizona Cardinals 29th easiest schedule for tight ends moving forward. But uh, yeah, no thanks. How about the Washington Redskins? Third toughest schedule. Logan Thomas has a shitload of tight targets. He's got a shitload of tight end targets on this season. Early on, it looked like he was going to be one of these studs. But his 52.5% catch rate, 52.5% catch rate on the year is the lowest of any tight end with at least 15 targets. That's 35 guys. There's six or seven guys with 15 targets or 14 targets that have a better catch rate than he does. He can't catch the ball, y'all. You know it if you watch these fucking games. Not that you want a piece of the Redskins anyway that's not Antonio Gibson. But he can't fucking catch. They can throw it to him all fucking day. But if he can't catch, it ain't happening. The Los Angeles Rams come in here. Second toughest schedule. You know, if you were a Higby fan coming into this, I am so sorry. I said it in the offseason over and over and over. Gerald Everett was going to hurt Higby's chance at being the stud you wanted after the end of last season. And Gerald Everett fucked up Tyler Higby this past week. He's out-targeted him each of the last three games that they played together. Now, Higby missed one of those. But if you look at the three they played together, Everett has out-targeted Higby in all of them. They wipe each other's value out, guys. 
I'm not all that interested. If you want to go get Everett and put him on your squad, go ahead. He's free. But I'm not that interested. Hardest schedule moving forward for the tight end is then Buffalo Bills. That's Dawson Knox. Been dealing with injuries. Not a tight end that I want to put on my roster anyway. Not a fantasy name you want. Look at those two running backs instead if you want somebody. Look at Stephon Diggs, baby. Cole Beasley. Come on. John Brown coming back. Their weapons here. I think the Bills are definitely going to win that division. But it ain't going to be on the back of a tight end. All right. Those are your uh, tight end strength of schedule notes. Take from those what you will. Go tell everybody in your league that you love Zach Moss. Then don't bid on him. Watch them waste their fab. Instead, bid on Corey Davis. See if you can get him, okay? Once Devin Singletary has a week, you need to trade him because the split that we saw this week is going to maintain even if Devin Singletary continues to go for more per carry than Zach Moss, which would not surprise me. I think the over-under at this point for Devin Singletary touchdowns has to be three and a half. He's going to match last season. I wouldn't bet it either way. That's your stat rat this week, guys. Week eight in the books. Come on back to TCK all week long. Every fucking day. We got new episodes. Sky jumps on Sundays an hour before games to answer every goddamn question you want. I sat and watched him in awe the other day as he didn't miss a single fucking question. That's an impressive dude. It's an impressive beard. Go check him out. Hit him up on Twitter. TCK underscore pod. Hit him up on Instagram. Fantasy football underscore TCK pod. Find me. Dweez Nuts. All Z's No S is on Twitter as well. Y'all, I'll talk to you in a week. Go do some smart shit. I'm going to go, uh, I don't know, enjoy enjoy my freedom from my children. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 